Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Paul Wadlington, uh, the author formerly known as Scipio Tex, uh, now goes by his full real name because uh, he, he is selling a, an annual book and because he just wants to be more famous than he already is, uh, even though he is famous among the uh, Texas Longhorn faithful. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. Uh, actually, I wish I had a uh, that was the reason. The real reason is I'm not having to hide from corporate HR anymore. And so that, that was the main reason. People would be like, oh, you're a coward typing behind that, that keyboard. I'm like, oh, actually, no, I I am a coward when it comes to corporate HR because they don't have a great sense of humor. In general. Yeah, I just so, want to keep my job and be able to write. That was it. Well, Paul, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it, for those of you that don't know Paul, he has been a longtime writer, uh, blogger, uh, and uh, commentary uh, is just spot on so often uh, with Inside Texas uh, and uh, is somebody that I think very highly of. And I know the Inside Texas folks uh, do as well. And uh, hopefully this will be the start of a new uh, weekly show for Paul and I. Uh, it is going to be airing, I believe, on Saturday mornings in the offseason. We're going to figure out what we're going to do during the season because that may have to be different based on everything. But uh uh, Paul, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this. We, we mentioned that we might be doing it last week and got some really positive reviews. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to do it. You ready to do it? I'm ready to do it. Yeah, the people have spoken. They want they want uh, me to talk to you more. So uh, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, uh, or vice versa, more likely. Me talking, yeah. All right, here we go. Let's start with probably one of the biggest things that came out of the past week. There's two major issues. One is the SEC Big 12 announcement that happened on Friday where Pete Thamel uh, of uh, ESPN said that it looked like the Big 12 and SEC could not come to our Big 12, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and their TV partners could not come to an agreement uh, allowing Texas to exit a year earlier in 2024. Uh, later in the afternoon on Friday, uh, Brett McMurphy reported that Texas and OU, as well as the Big 12, were in agreement it's the TV partners that are now saying they can't be in agreement. Uh, what are your thoughts, first of all, on what this means for Texas uh, and where you think it's headed? So I, I don't think it's good news if you're a Texas fan and you thought this might be our last year. I think ultimately the TV folks can just put, put the kibosh on this. It also speaks to, I think, what Fox is starting to realize the Big 12 is worth post-Texas, post-OU. I think they want to get every bit of, of contractual money that they can and every bit of TV ratings they can before they say goodbye to their golden goose. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a big piece of it. Um, you know, I, I feel like maybe the Big 12 wanted all of its money and then left the, the networks to kind of fend for themselves mm -hmm. and probably should have, thought about that sooner if they both wanted uh, out of this agreement. It can't just be all Texas and OU. It has to be uh, the Big 12 as, as well that wants out, uh, that wants out of the agreement so they can start building their own brand. Uh, I did get a text from a, uh, uh, a high-ranking Texas official this or on Friday morning uh, stating that it's a big game of chicken. It's all about money. And, you know, you, you just said it too. Paul, it's it's the same thing. My my question to you is, is it worth it for Texas to step up even further to go on and move on? Or do you think Texas should just play play this out and uh, wait and see what happens? Play it out. 
Yeah, I I just think Texas should play it out. I mean, ultimate look, it's not it's not my money. <laughs> and then, you know, it's not like we get a rebate as fans if if Texas is uh, parsimonious and responsible with their purse strings. But I think you need to wait this out and, and not blink. I, I do think it is a little bit of a game of chicken. And I, I do think, you know, look, if, if we want to be reasonable, you have to take the network's perspective on this. Because one thing that struck me is when, when Texas, we did get the schedules coming out for the Big 12. You know, what's the network draw for that 11 a.m. UCF Baylor game? I mean, realistically. I'll tell you what the draw is. Football. Yeah, I mean, football's on. That's cool. I mean, it's the yeah. reason I, 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 you know, when I lived in California, I'd get up and Saturday in my jammies and eat cereal and watch Purdue versus Northwestern at 9 a.m., right? Uh, if you could call that football. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was football, but there's there's a lot of football. And as the SEC expands, you know, the SEC is going to continue to try to define football along with the Big Ten, right? It's sort of the, the one and two in, in terms of imprint, living alumni, interest, money, et cetera, ratings. And then a distant third is what? The ACC? I mean, it's, you know, th this is a, I think the Big 12 is, you know, and they had the bad luck in the Big 12 of adding these four additions that were not going to be big money makers, but all four are down, right? You know, Cincinnati two years ago, Texas wouldn't want any part of that game, right? Uh, they, they put nine dudes in the league after that season. That's not the same Cincinnati team. Houston, I mean, if I hope I hope you've not had the misfortune of watching Houston play football this year, but they are about as dumb and an undisciplined a football team as I've ever seen play. Holgerson seems to be riding them down. And then, uh, you know, UCF, I mean, certainly big school, commuter school. It's in Florida. It's got that imprint, but it doesn't have the – it's it's – it's what, the fourth school in Florida? It's a directional school. It's a directional school, you know, and that's fine. You can you can wow people with the enrollment numbers, but that's not that's not doesn't translate to TV ratings. And so and then BYU actually structurally is probably the most sound addition uh, beyond you know how good the football team is year in or year out. You've got an inherent fan base. It's it's a school that's gonna put a lot of resources to trying to be good. Uh, it's cool vibe, cool stadium. Uh, you know, they, they want to be good in sports. They want to be good in all athletics, not just football, basketball as well. Uh, so that's that's useful. But, yeah, I just I feel like Fox is seeing what the Big 12 is going to be. And they're not going to let go of Texas early without a significant payout. They want a pound of flesh. They want a pound of flesh. That's that's essentially what it amounts to. And I agree with you about BYU. BYU, the brand has some cachet. Yep. Um, you know, and so I think that's the difference between them, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida. I actually think long-term, uh, the Big 12 is a great arrangement for the University of Houston. I mean, it puts them smack dab in the middle of, uh, you know, a big imprint. They're the only school, major school in that market um, in the conference. I mean, even though you can say Baylor might, you know, who, who else carries Houston in that market? Nobody really carries Houston other than Texas or Texas A&M, but um, it, it's interesting. I think that that's a, that's a good fit for them. Uh, but like you said, that if you watched them play last year, their defense had, I mean, I don't think they've still stopped SMU from scoring. I think it was no. 77 points in three and a half quarters. And I'll tell you what, I, I had the misfortune of gambling on their bowl game against Louisiana Lafayette. And I can assure you that that, that was a competitive game, <laughs> much more competitive than it should have been. 
So I, look, I'll, ultimately, I agree with you. I've always called it, a, a, you know, an, an elevating school for coaches, right? You got to be wary of hiring a coach that succeeds at a Houston, at a Memphis, because they do have some inherent advantages at their at their level, right? But I think Houston can level up. I think they're going to need a coaching change ultimately to do so. Well, you just mentioned Dana Holgerson, Tom Herman, Kevin Sumlin. At, at Memphis, though, Justin Fuente flailed out at Virginia Tech. But Mike Norvell's doing well at Florida State. Yep. Um, so you're right. It's, it's down three, up one, maybe, uh, in that category. I hadn't thought about it. One other thing I want to mention uh, as it relates to all of this, uh, and what we're talking about here uh, is something that that kind of grabs me. And that's that I don't feel a sense, Paul, of a need to rush to the SEC because of recruiting any further. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, Texas has already gone through that process now and really assuaged those doubts. And so now, uh, two years ago, I thought they needed a move to the SEC for recruiting purposes because the SEC was becoming the IT conference and they were getting pounded over the head by Alabama, not only Alabama, they're getting pounded over the head by Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, and Arkansas and some. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, that that's that's by the by. So that's that's no longer the case. So I don't think recruiting necessarily uh, is is a problem if if that's the case. You would agree with that? It appears not to be a problem based on this this class that they're still in the process of signing. Right, they're still going to improve this class, and then. And then I think also a guy, whether you're there now or you're going to be there in a year or two years, if you're coming in as a freshman, you're like, hey, I'm not going to be on the field until that when that happens anyway. So works for me. I don't care. And, you know, Texas is fortunate that they they can sort of sell the Texas brand. But you're right. Two years ago, we're getting buffeted by schools that should not be recruiting against us. And, you know, whether you agree with it or not, and it can be a little overblown, they have sold kids that real college football is SEC football. And outside of the Ohio States and a couple of other programs, maybe a Clemson here or there, USC, if, if you want to play big boy football, if you want to get noticed by NFL scouts, you got to play in the SEC. Whether that's true or not doesn't matter. The perception is true, and that's what you got to recruit around. Paul, I want to talk to you about, our schedule, about the Texas schedule that just came out uh, this week, as well as the rest of the Big 12 schedule. Uh, first, you have a word from our sponsor, uh, have at it, Paul. Absolutely. Yeah, this segment and our show is brought to you by Gabe Winslow. He has been a long-term, long-time avid Longhorn supporter. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. He's a Texas grad. He's a great guy. He's going to take care of you. 20-year mortgage professional. He's also got a law degree. Don't hold that against him. And uh, really good dude. He's taking care of me and Bobby and, and sponsoring the show. And he's going to take care of you. Give him a call. All right. I appreciate that, uh, Paul Wadlington and Gabe. Uh, mortgages by Gabe. Hey, Paul, anything strike you really as far as the schedule? Like right off the top, uh, all the Texas teams are play around Robin with the other Texas teams. That was probably 
my biggest first takeaway. Anything else just whap you over the head? Yeah. You know, and it took me about 24 hours for it to sink in. But everyone saw Texas's schedule and they said, oh, this this is fine. Oh, this is oh, actually this is a pretty favorable schedule. It's fine. Right. Everyone is thinking the worst. Here's the realization, Bobby, and this might dovetail with what we just discussed with the, the SEC contract and TV. How could you design a really hard schedule for Texas? Yeah. I mean, other than trying to load up like four road games in a row or you don't allow Texas to play OU, I thought that would be a hilarious, uh, you know, hell hath no fury like a conference scorn move. But obviously they can't do that for TV contracts. But honestly, I don't think you can construct an incredibly difficult Big 12 schedule next year. I mean, I just think that's, that's what struck me. The other thing that struck me is I think OU caught a break. Uh, I, they don't. So they were set to travel to both Baylor and Kansas State, two teams that beat them last year. Kansas State in particular, they do not match up with Will next year. Kansas State always has their number sort of anyway. So they skip both that road trip to Kansas State and that makeup road trip to Baylor. I think that plays in their favor. They're, you know, they're playing UCF instead. Um, you know, I, I think they caught a break. TCU, if you look, uh, they have a highly backloaded schedule. Their last five games are Texas, OU, Texas Tech. Three of the five are on the road. Uh, I think there's a real chance you see a 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh TCU next year. Or this year, I should say. I keep doing that. Uh, that everyone's saying, oh, they haven't missed a beat. Sonny Dykes, you know, what amazing job. And then I think you see uh, starting October 21st when their schedule gets hard, you might see them go 2-3 and three or 1-4 and four down the stretch. You know, I, I felt this was interesting. Texas a year year ago started conference play by going to Texas Tech. They start conference play this year by going to Baylor. Mm -hmm. After Baylor was just the last conference game they played. If you think about that, I mean that they're going to play two conference games in a row against Baylor. I mean that that's pretty odd. I mean after their first three non-conference, they start with Rice, then go to Bama, and then host Wyoming, and then the first conference game is away at Baylor. Yeah, that is I, interesting. I don't uh, know that that's ever happened before where you play two back-to-back -back, um, unless you were in the conference championship game, perhaps. Yeah, well, I got to say, you're you're not going to be able to carry over a lot of scouting report other than Shapin because uh, they lost that entire offensive line. And Baylor, quietly, maybe not so quietly if you're in Waco, they've, they've had some major staff shakeups. They fired the defensive coordinator. They've had some turnover. They've had some guys flee. Uh, either in the portal or declaring for the NFL draft when they didn't think they were going to. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't look, I think Aranda's a pretty good coach. I think Baylor's got some players. I don't think they're a huge threat. You know, famous last words of a fool, check back when we when you go to the road. But this will be a chance early to to gauge the maturation of this Texas team on the road, uh, particularly after coming off, you know, the high of playing Alabama on the road and you know, can you get up for just a mundane Big 12 opponent and go take care of business? That'll answer a lot of questions, I think, about that team. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It's interesting because Dave Aranda will have a lot of time to come up with new ways to, to mess with Quinn Ewer's head, right? Yeah. Because um, Texas won that game against Baylor by solely relying on the run and just pounding it in the second half. Uh, this next year, I don't think they're going to be able to do the same type of thing. But maybe they maybe they will. I don't know. I mean, but they don't have Bijan, and he was definitely a, a difference maker in that game. Well, Bijan, uh, I think people think we're going to miss the big plays. I don't think we're, that's what we're going to miss in the running game. I think what we're going to miss are plays that should have been second and 12 and ended up being second and four because Bijan made three dudes miss and, and work some magic. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what Jonathan Brooks has up his sleeve. We'll see uh, if we've got some freshmen that are ready to contribute. I'm, I'm not ready to give up on our running game quite yet. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the – the, you mentioned the final schedule or the final portion of the schedule. Texas, the last four, um, Texas finished third in the conference, right? Uh, of the top four teams in the conference, Texas plays um, three of them in the final four games. They play Kansas State yep. at home, go to TCU – Go to Iowa State at cold, going to be a night game. You know it is. Yeah. Up in Ames. And then finish with Texas Tech. So, you know, I, I felt that was a little bit interesting. And Texas ends with a – to your point, I don't know that anything in the Big 12 is going to be like this overwhelming, you know, gauntlet of, of schools or, or games that they have to play. But the last four for Texas are, are not easy. I mean, those four are going to be decisive. It's I look. I think Texas is going to win the Big Twelve. I'll just say that now. We'll we'll see how things develop, and we may add another guy or two in the portal in what May. Uh, we'll see if the team fleshes out a little more. I hope it does. But you know, those are those are the four decisive games. What you don't want to do is stub your toe early in a stupid loss. Uh, you know, you would like to have the ability to lose one of those four games and still play in the Big Twelve title game. You, know, yeah, you don't want to lose to Kansas the second no. week of Big 12 before you go to play OU in Dallas. Definitely not. That's that's a stub toe. You don't want to lose to Houston after uh, away at Houston after a bye week from OU. Yeah, we, we ain't losing to Houston. I'm pretty yeah. sure about that. <laughs> okay, well, well I'll we'll hold see. you to that. Hey, you mentioned the portal, and this will be our final discussion topic for this Saturday. Uh, Paul, uh, we'll be on again next Saturday. You mentioned the portal. What are your thoughts? I don't talk to you much about that. What, what are your thoughts of what Texas still needs? Uh, I talked to Ian and, and Jerry Hamilton about this on Friday. Um, they both said edge. I said a big running back. Is that are we on the same page there? Or what do you, what do you think they really need? I want a linebacker and an edge. I I I, I don't know what's available. I mean, the truth is we can wish all we want. We can want a pony in our backyard, but we're not getting a pony, right? Unless there's a pony for sale for a nickel down the road. So you know, it's whoever enters in. I still think there are some people who are going to wait to see how they're utilized in the spring or how things are shaking out at their program. Uh, and then I think you're going to see some quality portal entrance in May. I, I don't think it's all done. So that's good. I, I think we need a linebacker and an edge. I, I'm not convinced at linebacker yet. I Look, Jalen Ford, I'm very happy with. Solid. I'm not happy with linebacker number two. I, I want a traditional number two linebacker because I think that's going to really help this defense. Uh, and just, David Benda just isn't it. 
it's not going to work. You know, it, it's, it's, he hasn't shown it yet. So, you know, and it's not just a, a size issue. It's a, it's a diagnosis issue. I mean, I've documented it a few times on inside Texas and I did it last year in the Oklahoma state game. I did it uh, again in another game. He just takes off running the wrong way. You know, it, it's just a lack of inability to follow the ball or, or even just play his assignment where you're not even supposed to look at the ball, right? You're just supposed to fill a gap or be responsible for a couple of gaps. And then once you've done that, you go pursue, but he just takes off running in the wrong way and, and they run right through his hole. So yeah, but that's, that's not going to work at a linebacker. He need to, he need to have a germ. I, I honestly think you'll see jet Bush on the field more than David Benda. Let me ask you this. I felt like this was an interesting one too. Okay. Um, Ovio Gufu, grad transferred to LSU. Yeah. Okay. That is supposed to be the number one pass rush position on the team, right? How many sacks did Ovio Gufu have last year? I learned this. I did not know this until no, close, close, Paul, not two, in between, one and a half. One and a half. All right. Ian told me this on Friday, and I was like, what? I, I, I just, I mean, that's supposed to be your lead pass. It's, it goes to show you. And this, and this was Ian's point in that discussion. And, I, you know, sometimes you can get incremental improvement yeah. at a position. It, it matters. You know, that, that I'm, not, I'm not saying incremental. All small things matter and add up, right? But there are positions on this team still where they can not just have incremental improvement. They can have categorical improvement, exponential yeah. improvement, right? Sure. And that's what you're really – that's what you're really hoping for from Edge. And, and if it's not a Jure Bledsoe or a Ethan Burke or somebody like that, who's it going to be? And you have to go to the portal. Well, and, and look, sacks can be uh, – you know, anyone who knows football knows sacks are an imperfect example of pressure and impact and all that. I mean, that all said, those sack, that sack number adequately reflected his pressure numbers, right? Right. Often they are related. And the truth is the design of that defense and the way Pete Kwiatkowski uses that position, you're supposed to fall into seven sacks. Like you're supposed to just sort of get six or seven sacks by, by being there and doing your job and a, and a quarterback gets flushed into you. Right. So I think that's where, look, Texas needs a, a difference maker. There's no question, but they've got to get more out of the position. Look, we're not going to be worse at that position. Is that a fair assumption? I don't think so. I mean, because he wasn't exactly great against the run. He did get better this year, I thought. He got better. So he went from very poor, frankly, against the run, particularly running up field and, and getting uh, – running. He ran himself out of the play. Yeah, but he was much better at setting the edge now. He was much more fundamental. Uh, he did his job. And so that was that was a market improvement. Uh, and that's that's a hat tip to the coaches and you know him understanding the scheme and how he was hurting the team. But are you a little surprised that LSU took him or pursued him? Um, I don't know how hard they pursued because it, grad transfers are a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he may be just trying to go to grad school. I don't, I don't necessarily think – LSU took a number of, of transfers, by the way. He's trying um, to secure that coveted LSU MBA? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know that. But my point – I think my – and you got to remember Brian Kelly is who originally recruited him. Yeah, he's at, at Notre Dame. He knows him because uh, he transferred in from from Notre Dame. I, I don't. My I I go back to this and really and I'm I'm sorry to pound it on it right now, but the, the defensive edge pressure 
this is the second year in a row we've talked about it in an off season. And I don't know. We still don't know if they have an answer. At some point, somebody has to figure this out. If, if Texas wants to take the next step on defense, I ask you another question. I asked uh, Ian and Jerry, uh, and then, then we'll be done here, Paul. Sure. Um, your thoughts on what the strength of the defense will be next year? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, I think the secondary. That's what they said. It's what both of they said. Yeah, not only because of individual players, but in aggregate. Look, I mean, it's late at night, so we can talk frankly here, Bobby. Whenever you are playing an opposing team and you have a, a passing game, you're looking for the asshole right? You're looking for the guy who sticks out in the secondary that you're going to pick on. And you could otherwise have good players around him, but you can keep going back. You can keep picking at that scab, right? So there's value in not just having good players like a Jade Barron or a Ryan Watts. It's, there's also value in not having a guy who, who's a weak link. And if you have five guys out there who are all at least pretty good to very good, you don't just have an improvement that's commensurate to each guy's individual ability, you have a unit improvement that is noticeable. That's how TCU played secondary. TCU was a great example of that. They've always had Tomlinson, right? Yeah. But they had to add some safeties through the portal. And when they got, what, Perry, uh, these other guys, Bud, uh, what's his Clark. name? Clark. Bud, yes. When they added those guys or developed those guys, that's when the TCU secondary got better. I know any commentary on TCU, people just remember the last game they played. So, uh, But the TCU secondary did improve despite what you saw against Georgia. So yeah. that's a great example, Bobby. You nailed yeah. it. I, I, th- I think that's probably the truth. I think, I think that I would go there. I just look across it, and there's all five guys. Well, there's actually going to be six or seven guys that will have started a game in the secondary. Um, and there's only five, five are going to roll out there. Now, Jalen Gilbo will not be available for spring, which does hurt his uh, maturation process. But uh, Terrence Brooks looked awfully good. Then you have uh, both Gavin Holmes and Jalen Catalan, who are multi-year starters coming in, added to Jade Barron, as you mentioned, Ryan Watts and Jaron Thompson. Um, you know, it, it, It'll be interesting if Texas can stop the run like they did this year and continue to improve on the back end. You know, it could be an interesting year for the Texas defense next year. I agree. And actually, Jerry, uh, I, I want to pick Jerry's brain, Ian's brain, your brain on this. But when has Texas had cornerback depth like this? Because it's not just Brooks and, and, and Gavin Holmes and, and, of course, Watts, but uh, Austin Jordan. I mean, I was at that Washington Albo Bowl game. He played well. I mean, he really played well. Yep. Malik Muhammad coming in. Malik Muhammad um, coming in. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I don't know. You know, I think we have to wait and see. Uh, because I, I want to see just... I don't know that Texas for sure has a top, top line guy at corner right now. 
No, we don't have that shutdown guy. Yeah, and so I, I would think that some guys have been – when Quandre Diggs played out there, for example, it's a different category guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to uh, – I know he ended up moving to safety and all this other stuff and, and played nickel as well. But my point being that whenever you start talking about that, one guy can really shut down a side of the field and make the whole unit better. So I don't know. Overall depth, I'm trying to think back. Early 2010s, maybe. I, I I can just recall, Bobby, that you'd have our we'd have our starters at corner, and if a guy went down, we were like, oh. Well, Holton Hill, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd. Yes, they, those are two NFL players. Um, you had Devonte Davis backing him up, who was a pretty good player, not yep. a great player, but adequate. Um, that's probably the last last group. Yeah, that's fair. Have. All right, all right, uh, Paul. Thank you so much. I really look forward to it uh, talking to you and. Uh, getting to, to kind of talk about the big issues uh, facing Texas football and sports as well as recruiting as well. Um, this has been On Texas Football for Paul Wadlington. I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching. For more videos on Texas football, recruiting, and other sports, make sure you click the like button and subscribe to the channel to get the very latest updates. Uh, thank you for watching again and hook them.